Amen. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Yeah, so glad you're here today. Welcome. You may be seated unless you're youth, and then you can head back there with Pastor Jaron, his lovely bride, Brittany. And uh, if you're in 6th through 12th grade, that's where you belong. Thank you. Thank you guys for doing that for the youth, having in both services, just so everybody knows. And Wednesday night, we have youth meeting at 6 o'clock. So let's make it happen. All right. For the rest of you that are here, we're going to have a word of prayer together. And the reason we're going to have a word of prayer, we did this in the first service. Before the first service, I received an email from our missionary uh, in another country, and I'm not speaking that because we're online. Um, and uh, in that nation, it's you're not allowed to uh, proselytize, they call it, like sharing your faith and having someone come to know Jesus. And uh, they're not a Christian nation, and they have a church there, Christian church. They're uh, good friends of ours. We love them dearly. And um, he is there last night having service, which was their Sunday morning. And they were raided by the police and a radical Hindu leader in the community. And he was taken outside, and some of the church leaders were taken as well. And so his wife is here with their kids, and uh, they need our prayer. I don't know what's happening. I kept checking my phone to see if they had sent another message in, but there's nothing yet. But... You know, we have this amazing freedom to just go to church if we want to and do what we want here in our nation, which we just take for granted. It's not like that everywhere, and you're not allowed to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the target of the enemy, just so you know. Like, it's what it's all about. There is a war about Jesus, and that's what's happening all around us. It's called by a lot of different names, but that is the war that's happening. And so we want to pray for his protection as the body of Christ, and they are... uh, our family. And there are not just that church. I'm sure there are many. And the persecution of the church of Jesus Christ has been happening since the book of Acts. The enemy does not want the gospel to go forward. and He doesn't want people saved. And so there's a war that's happening. So would you join with me in prayer for the protection of our brother and sister and their family? Father, we love you and we thank you for Jesus. God, we know you're very present. This did not catch you off guard. The enemy didn't surprise you. Lord, you know all things. And so right now we're praying for peace and protection over our friend and his bride that is here and the unknown of the moment and, Lord, that trust that they have to have in you right now. Pray protection for your church and that it would prosper and grow. And we know that what the enemy means for evil, you'll turn it to good. Your word tells us that. And so, Lord, maybe this is a way to bring attention to the church and the community and an awakening in that city. God, that's what we're praying for. We're asking for an awakening, not just there, but here. Lord, where we need a a real move of God to take place and a true, Lord, surrender to who you are. God, our nation needs to humble itself before you. We ask protection for them, peace over them. We trust you fully. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. Please continue to pray. I will update you through the app uh, as soon as we have any word about what's going on. And again, just so you understand, you know our missionaries. If you don't, there's some cards that are out there on that little welcome table. There should be a few left for prayer cards. But just so you're aware of who they are and to pray for them. And don't put anything online specifically right now. Uh, about that, but just be praying for them, and I'll let you know uh, through the app message as soon as we have word about that. Now, as we're talking about that and moving along, you know there's some flyers that are up here, and they're around the church for the upcoming blessing of the bikers, which is going to take place 
in just a couple of weeks, believe it or not. On October 8th, we will celebrate our 18th blessing of the bikers, which is crazy, man. It's amazing. Yeah, it's awesome. <clears throat> if you've not been a part of it, I want to challenge you to be here. You don't have to ride a motorcycle to show up. Non-riders outnumber riders like five to one on the event, just so you know, so you don't feel uncomfortable. That doesn't mean we don't have a lot of riders and bikes here. We do. It's amazing. It's been an incredible celebration that God has used in our life. Kim and I uh, rode motorcycles. I've been riding since I was a kid. We ride together. It's something that we love. She does have her license, but she rides with me because she likes to look around, and that's not real healthy if you're driving. <laughs> so I love her right behind me where we can be together, and I, I'm physical touch. You know that I hug y'all. She hugs me and rides back there. Sometimes she falls asleep, seriously, on the back of the bike. I feel that weight on me, and she's like, mm. <laughs> All right, baby. All right. Anyway, that's another story. Let's move on. Uh, so, hey, when, you know, when you ride a motorcycle, you want to ride with other people. You want to experience that. There's a lot of motorcycle events in the world. Most of them are unhealthy and not good environments. And I don't go to those. I'm a representative of Jesus Christ. If he asked me to step into an arena to share faith, I would. But to me and my wife just go to a, an event, I wouldn't do that. You know, they, they, um, they like... Alcohol is usually involved. Drugs are there. They um, disrespect women. Um, you know, they have like wet t-shirt contests. They have outfit things, pageant shows. I mean, all kinds of garbage that's filth and it shouldn't be done. And I'm not going to go into that environment. I'm not taking my wife there. And I don't want kids there. So our desire was to create an environment where people could come as a family and enjoy the gift that motorcycles are and the experience of this and so we began to do the blessing of the bikers where you could bring kids have stuff for kids and adults we do a bike rodeo they call it out here it's bike games you'll love it if you come and watch it it's so cool we do a slow race whoever can ride the slowest without putting their feet down there's things like roadkill pickup uh, there's like cornhole they're going to do on the bikes it's stuff like that it's fun to watch you can be right out here and watch that There'll be free food. There's going to be uh, jump castles and different stuff, rides for the kids and adults. It's a lot of fun. It's a blast to be here. I love it. And the climax of the whole event is that we get to pray over everybody on a motorcycle that comes. And different about our blessing, which Kim and I wanted this from the very beginning, we didn't want to just go up there and just say, hey, you're all blessed. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. We want them to come up on their bike and we pray over them physically and touch them and pray God's message over their life so it's pretty amazing to watch so you need to be here if you've never been here show up you're going to be blessed it's an incredible gift god's given to us we're going to follow up the blessing with october 28th we're going to do a jericho prayer ride around the city of tucson it's another event that's going to take place at kennedy park and it's also going to be in that fiesta area you'll have more information coming following that up with a prayer ride up to the village of oak creek our campus there and a prayer ride over that place so god's doing a lot of cool stuff you can be involved if you want to be with what god's doing so if you need to buy a motorcycle good time to do it <laughs> if you're riding in a car you're welcome to come to some of the events we will specify that obviously the blessing the prayer ride some things we don't have cards involved in uh, for reasons for safety and protection just so you are aware let's do this ready have you spent at least five minutes a day, at least five days last week reading or listening to God's word? If you did, say yes. yes. You spent some time along with God this week with no agenda. Yes. 
Did you uh, listen and do you know what the Holy Spirit is saying to you? Yes. Pretty important. Are you given as God has asked you to give in your time, your talents, and your resources, all three of them? Did you share Jesus with someone this week? So what I'm going to ask you in addition to that, like just sharing Jesus with someone, I'm asking you, have you shared Jesus with everyone in your circle of influence? Do they know your Jesus story? See, um, the world doesn't believe God or the Bible anyway. They don't. But what they will believe is your life being changed by the power of God lived before them. And so if you would share your Jesus story with them, God will use that to plant a seed in them so that they begin to believe that there is a God. Because some of you all, if you're changed from what you used to be, they're going to believe there was a God. Right? All right, there's coffee right over there for those of you that need to wake up. All right. <laughs> Do you invite someone to church with you today? Well, I'm glad the three of you did. Let's do this. You ready? <laughs> there's cards right here, too, to tell you to take with you. They can say, come join us. So you do is invite them. Here's a card. Come to church. All right. You've heard something a lot of times out of me. This isn't, like I told you before, I don't re-preach messages. They go right in the trash of my computer when I'm done. Not that they're junk. I believe God has spoken. Let's find out what else he wants to say. But sometimes God says the same thing to us in multiple ways because some of us are hard-headed and we don't listen well. Some of us. I'm not saying all of you guys. But, I mean, he is having me bring the same message back again. So you're here. Coffee right over there. All right. So anyway. <laughs> I love you. I'm saying that in kindness, but here, let's see what God's doing, right? There's a reason that he's saying something. So as I look back in my life, and I shared with you this part, I'm not re-preaching something, but I want you to know something. As I look back in my life, I want you to know that I'm one of those, um, maybe I need to hear something more than once, and I need it to be real clear uh, to hear it. So God speaks to me sometimes with a two-by-four. You know, like, hey, that was me, dummy, wake up. Oh, oh, yeah, okay, I got you. All right, so this is what happened in my life that I didn't realize until just a few years ago. So I always use a part of the platform to talk about something, and I usually put Jesus on that end. It's not that I don't think you guys know him, <laughs> and you guys do. I just want you to know I'm using this as an illustration, and there's no connotation to any of you and where you're sitting. But if you all end up sitting over there next week, I understand. So let's do this. All right, so here I am. And I'm beginning this life with Jesus. And I, I mean, it's this moment that I'm saying yes to him. And I said yes, and he changes me. And I'm beginning this journey. So now I'm walking with him. And life is new, and it's awesome. And I'm excited about it. And he's doing great stuff in me and doing great stuff in Kim, my wife. And we're walking this journey. And I come to this point. Now, listen, I'm telling you this now because I look back and see it. But when I was there, I didn't understand it. All I know is that I came to a point where God was saying, hey, this is what I want from you. And he was asking me to surrender what he was saying because God was telling me something. And he was saying, you need to surrender to what I'm telling you right now. And you have to trust me in that. And now you have to obey me and take action to what I'm telling you. So remember, I told you I'm a little bit thick-headed, slow learner, and all that kind of stuff. Early on in my life, I did a lot of attempted negotiations with God. And so here's Dave. He's like, 
hey, God, that's awesome. I hear you, and I got an idea. <laughs> my idea is, like, similar to yours, but it might be better. <laughs> because I think I can do what you're asking me, but I can do it this way. And so Dave's like, yeah, this is awesome because God said something to me. I figured it out. Now I'm going to do it, but I'm doing it the way I think I should do it. So I'm over here trying to do it, and I keep running into this wall. Bam. And then I'm going to do it again because I'm a slow learner. Bam. And I'm like, I, this is going to work. Bam. It's that two by four, right? And he's, I'm back here again. I'm like, man, I can't go anywhere. And God's like, hey, yes, Lord. You know what I asked you? Yes, Lord. You want to do it my way? Yes, Lord. <laughs> okay, so here's what God's saying. Do you surrender to what I'm saying? Not what you think, but what I say. Do you trust me? that this is the right thing to do. And now will you act on it and step in? So of course, I look back now and I see how many times that happened in my life. And every time I did it God's way and I stepped into this arena of my new walk with God, I look back and like, man, are you an idiot? Not God, Dave. Man, are you an idiot? You, like, do you know how long you bounced around in this little place? Trying to do something and convince God that you knew when he was like, all you got to do is trust me. Surrender right now. Do what I'm asking. And when I step over here, there's this amazing peace. You know what I'm talking about, church? When you step into what God's saying, peace comes inside of you. There's no longer that turmoil, that chaos that's trying to figure it out. You know, all of a sudden it's like, oh, and the weight comes off and I'm like, woo. And I'm like, wow, that was easy. You're stupid. <laughs> why would you ever struggle in that when God's ways are so easy? And so I'm walking in this, and I'm like, man, I've arrived. Not hardly. I'm coming up to this moment. And see, remember now, I'm telling you, I only recognize, I'm a slow learner, remember. I, I'm like, I look back, and I can see it now, but in the moments, I didn't realize that it was part of my development, my maturity, my graduating from kindergarten to first grade. And here I am, and God's like, Hey, and I'm, yes, sir. You want to do this? I do. I have an idea. <laughs> you know, I didn't learn. I learned, but I still have to learn. And I bounced around in here. But I didn't bounce as long, I hope. No, I didn't. I know I didn't. But there were times where I was there too long. And when I try and do it my way, I come back. And if you all remember my story about my horse and trying to get her in the trailer, God's like, you're going to go? Oh, yeah, I'm doing it. Well, you're not. You're not putting action to what I'm saying. Yeah, but I, I do surrender. I do trust you. Okay, Dave, so let's run around in a circle over here again. All right, here I am running around, running around. I'm getting tired. I'm like, whoo, God, I'm all worn out, man. He's like, okay, you going to listen now? See, whenever I do things in my flesh, I wear myself out. When I do them in the Spirit of God, I have strength and power because it's God's power that does it. So now I'm all worn out, and I'm tired, and I'm sweating, and he's like, hey, yes, sir. Let's, okay, you get it? So now I'm doing this my whole life. Now I'm 60 years old. I know I don't look it, but I am. Jeez, uh, man, I look at that 4K camera, and I'm like, woo. 
we need to download those pixels a little less so there's not so much detail, man. Anyway, so here I am, and I'm walking this journey with God, and he's, he's taking me this way, and I'm walking, I'm mature, and I'm growing. And now I look back. This is only like four years ago or so. I look back at my life, and I'm like, oh, God, I see a pattern. I see this pattern. Surrender, trust, and obey. Surrender, trust, and obey. Surrender, trust, and obey. And it's this theme that God was bringing me to, and I like woke up to it. I don't even know how. Finally, it got through. Like God's doing something, and he's stirring you, Dave, and he's trying to transform you into Christ's likeness. If you would listen better and just say, yes, Lord, and step across in his place, things would go a lot smoother, and you'd have a lot less stress in your life. Okay, God, I get it. So as I look back and I see this, I, I see that there's so many times that God was requiring a moment of surrender, trust, and obedience to him. All right, now, I had to surrender my will to God's will. That's what it's all about. Not me making the decision, God making the decision, me. My only decision is doing it his way, not my way. And that's a no-brainer, you'd think. <laughs> okay? <laughs> so what I had to realize was no matter what happened as a result of my surrender, trust, and obey, it was the right thing to do because the only way that I had peace inside of me was doing what God asked me to do. And anytime I didn't do what God said, there was turmoil. Now, when I said yes to him, sometimes when I'm in obedience to God and there's peace inside of me, there's utter chaos that happens. All around my life, there's like pushback, there's resentment, there's people that talk about you, there's people that don't like you, there's people that turn their back against you, people that tell that you're like a tool of the devil. I mean, I've had literally people tell me that as I'm a pastor of the church preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. They tell me I'm a tool of the devil, whatever they want to think, right? If I know that I'm walking in the truth of the word of God and the spirit of God is affirming that, then so be it. They said that about Jesus, right? So we're in good company. Understand that because we're obedient to God doesn't mean everything in life just smooths out around you. And that everybody's just like, they love you. They think you're the best and you, they're going to follow you no matter what. That's not what happens. Most of the time when you say yes to Jesus, it causes a ripple effect that affects everybody around you and it begins to get chaotic. It's okay. Let it get chaotic. You stay in the peace of obedience to God and God will bless you. Here's the deal. Yeah, amen to that. God is so good, isn't he? The key to everything is not just surrender and trust. The key to everything is obedience. See, if I say, oh, yeah, God, I surrender, I trust you, which I can do that, it's pretty easy. Like, oh, yeah, I see what you're saying, God, I trust you. But then when you have to do it, that's where faith has to take hold and you, there's, there's some, you know, stuff happening. It's like the moment where we're not just saying amen. It's the moment I'm actually doing what God asked me to do. So once I began to see this pattern, I also began to see it throughout Scripture. It was like this light went on inside of me. I'm like, oh my goodness, man, this is in the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament. It's in my life. This is what God's trying to get us to do all the time. I'm sorry that it took me so long to learn that. I am. I mean, I'm glad I was doing it. Um, somewhat ignorantly <laughs> and sometimes bumpy, but I get it now. And I'm like, whoa, that doesn't mean I jump every time he says do it. I still have that little bit of um, uh, 
asking for God to do it sometimes my way still, even though I know better. I'm not, I'm not in resentment against him. It's just, oh my goodness, help me Jesus. That's all I can say. Okay, so here, let's move on. It's the continual challenge from God that talks to us about this because you see in the word of God, it is absolute that we have a free will. Now I know there's churches and people that don't believe there's a free will and I think they're stupid personally because I look at the Bible and it's like very clear and I don't have to look at the Bible, man. I can look at my own life and I'm like, wow, you made a dumb choice. Well, you made the right choice. You made a dumb choice. You made the right choice, right? I mean, you know you have a free will to choose, and it's throughout the Bible. So if you think you believe that or don't believe that, let's find out what God actually says about it. Okay, so what I see throughout the Bible is a free will to choose. And so in my free will to choose, every moment God brings me to the climactic moment of that choice, it's that line right there where he's saying, do you surrender? Do you trust that I'm God and I know what I'm doing and will you obey me? In that very moment, there's a choice I have to make. I have to say, yes, Lord, but then I have to say, yes, Lord. So it's not just saying, yes, Lord. It's saying, yes, Lord, with action. My obedience is everything. So we're going to look in the scriptures and I'm going to show you, and God's going to show us. I'm not showing you anything. It's in Deuteronomy, so it's like the second giving of the law. So if you remember the story of the Israelites coming out of Egypt... What happened there was that God brought them out, amazing, showed himself in power. He was there in the cloud, the fire. He brought water from a rock. He put food on the ground. He brought quail in abundance so they had meat to eat. I mean, God did incredible stuff. He even spoke to them from the mountain with his own voice. And they all freaked out and said, Moses, you go talk to him. We don't want to hear. We're going to die. All right, so God did amazing stuff. And they chose not to follow him. In the moment of truth, when they were at the promised land, they sent the spies in. The spies come back. Ten of them were like, dude, the land is exactly like God said it was, but <laughs> there's giants there. There's some big dudes, and we're little, and we're going to get crushed. We can't do this. Let's go back. I want you to know there's always going to be those people in your life. They're going to try and discourage you, tell you you can't. And they're going to try and tell you it's easier to go back to where you were. Oh my goodness, no it's not. It is how crazy that we can get so thick-headed and cloudy that we can be deceived into believing that what used to be is better than what is possible. What was back there sucked. We were miserable. But see, the further we get this way in our, our clouded mind and the deceiver's speaking and he's trying to call us back, it's like why would we go back to what we already know has brought death and destruction into my life? So here we are in this moment, right? So here they are. They've watched all this take place. That whole generation, this, this people, let's just talk about us right here. So all of us were here, and we've watched our mom and dad, our grandpa and grandpa, our great-grandpa and grandma all die in the wilderness in 40-year time frame because God said, you're done. You're going to wander for 40 years, and you're dying out there because they chose not to follow him. All those people die. So here's this congregation that have done all the funerals for them. Now they're back at the same spot. Isn't it amazing how God brings us back to that same place? He brings us to that same spot and says, you hear me now? Are you listening? Check it out. Here's what's happening. It's this generation that we're talking to right here, and this is the word of God. Listen to what it says in Deuteronomy 30. This command I am giving you today is not too difficult for you. 
it is not beyond your reach. It is not kept in heaven so distant that you must ask, who will go up to heaven and bring it down so we can hear it and what? Obey. It is not kept beyond the sea so far away that you must ask, who will cross the sea to bring it to us so we can hear it and obey? No. The message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart so that you can what? Okay, so think about this. We're not done reading there, but we're pausing. As you think about this, what's happening now, remember, this is the generation. They're right here. They're about to step into what God said he would do for them. They've seen all of what God has done in providing and his judgment for disobedience. He's like, look, what I'm asking you to do is not beyond your reach, right? It's not so hard. You're not like, hey, somebody help us. He's like, I'm here to help you. You already know this. You say these things. You know it's in your heart that it's true. Now let's make it happen, right? Church, you know these things. You say these things. And he's saying, now it's time to do something more than just talk. It's time to do it. So now we look and we say, man, they had no excuse for not doing what God said. None whatsoever. He had already proven himself. He was saying, like, I'm doing this. I'm going to do that. I'm asking you right now, do you trust me? Will you surrender? Do you trust? Will you be obedient? Will you step in? Now, church, here we are today, sitting here in this congregation or watching online, and all of us are right here, and we have the ability to have the Holy Spirit inside of us. So these people didn't have God inside of them. They had the knowledge of the Word of God in them, but they didn't have God in them. And here we are as Christians, and the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. We're without excuse. God's not asking us to do anything that's beyond our reach. He just said that to us, right? He's like, I'm not telling you. you got to like, hey, somebody help me. He's like, you got the help. Step in. Let's go. Let's continue reading the passage. No, the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and your heart so that you can obey it. Now listen, today I'm giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. Okay, did you just hear that? You have a choice, free will. You need to make a decision today. This is the message. You have a free will to make a decision. You have a choice of life or death. Seems like a no-brainer so far, right? Okay. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God, to keep his commands, that's the obedience part, decrees and regulations by walking in his ways. Right? So we're taking God's ways, not Dave's ways. Dave's way leads to death. God's way leads to life. It's a no-brainer. So he's like, look, today I'm telling you, this is the key to everything. If you do this, you will live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you and the land you are about to enter and occupy. But if your heart turns away and you refuse to listen, and if you are drawn away to serve and worship other gods, then I warn you now that you will certainly be destroyed. Choice, free will, life or death. You're going to worship God or self. You're going to do it God's way or your way. This is what he's telling them. 
You will not live a long, good life in the land you are crossing the Jordan to occupy. Today, I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessing and cursings. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God. What else? Obeying him and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. Isn't that awesome? All right, love, just listen to it, church. See, God's already told us. See, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's the same. He doesn't change anything about who he is and his standards. God hasn't like lowered the standard because we suck at it. God's like, there's a standard and you can do this. You just got to do it my way. Stop trying to negotiate your way. It doesn't work. I know. You know. Because we've all done it. It's only God's way. So when we hear these words and we read this and we're listening and we're looking back, we're like, well, dude, that's a no-brainer. They should have just said, yes, Lord, your way, let's do it. Okay, so why don't we? <laughs> See, everything was based on their surrender, trust, and obedience to God. Everything. They could have blessings and God's presence and God's life, and he would bless their family. He would be there. Or they could choose death and get everything screwed up. <laughs> so God's desire was for them to choose life. He's like, choose life. Don't choose death. Choose life. <laughs> All right, so let's move on. As we look at this then, we're going to look one generation further. At the promised land border, Moses, as you know, could not enter because there was a point in his life he was disobedient, and God said, sorry, but you're not making it over there. I love you. You're my servant, but you're not going. Obedience is critical, folks. Joshua takes leadership. He's the warrior leader. He takes the people. They go into the land. They're there. They cross that river. They're in there. God brings victories for them when they do it his way. They bring defeat when they don't. Here they are. They come to this moment. Joshua is now an old man. He's about to retire. And he gives a famous statement that everybody's heard. Many of you probably have it hanging in your house. You know that statement, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That is a very famous statement that Joshua made, and it's scripture in Joshua 24. But church, there's a whole lot of stuff around that that's so critically important for us. So we're going to go to that moment. So here's what's happening. Joshua's retiring. So he calls all the people together like a church service like we're in right now. And he has this, this sermon, so to speak, this challenge, this word that he brings. And this is what he says to the people in the fullness with that context of that word in it. So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. I'm going to pause here. Did you just hear what was said? This is the generation that saw God move, saw God judge, experienced God's blessings, were now in the land of promise, seeing what God was doing, and he had to remind them, you got junk in your house that shouldn't be there. You brought stuff into this land from over there 
that has no business being here because you are wholeheartedly to serve the Lord your God. And yet you have idols that you brought along on the journey. So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. So church, the reason I'm reading that to you right now and God's saying this to us is some of us in the church of Jesus Christ have stepped into a life with him, choosing life, and yet we're still trying to bring some of the garbage from that past life into this new life. And God's like, hey, it's time for you to get rid of that garbage, get it out of your life, trust me fully, and stop. We need to clean our houses, man. You know exactly what God's been talking to you about. And it drives me crazy and it blows my mind that these people are here and at home they got an idol. And they're like, oh yeah, hey, I believe in God. Surrender and trust and obey to a point. All right, let's continue reading and see what God's saying here. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer to serve, prefer the gods of your ancestors they served beyond the Euphrates? You hear what he just said? Do you remember the slavery and the brokenness that was back there? Do you want to worship those gods? Let's go on. He says, or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? <laughs> well, you see, those were great gods. You live in their houses now. As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Do you see what happened right there? See what we missed by just hearing that one statement? There's like this choice to make, and it's being presented to everyone. It's like, whatever y'all choose to do, I want you to know what I'm going to do. I'm all in. Okay, let's keep reading. The people replied, we would never abandon the Lord and serve other gods. For the Lord our God is the one who rescued us and our ancestors from slavery in the land of Egypt. He performed mighty miracles before our very eyes. As we traveled through the wilderness among our enemies, he preserved us. It was the Lord who drove out the Amorites and the other nations living here in the land. So we too will serve the Lord, for he alone is our God. Isn't that awesome? So like, not only did Joshua make this statement, but the congregation said what I heard coming from a few mouths, Amen! We're all in! We're with you. Do you know what amen means? So be it. So it's like, yes, I'm right there in agreement with you. So when you say amen with what I'm preaching right now, it's like, so be it. Yes, that's God's word, right? So here as we're listening to this, that's what the people just said. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So be it. Our house is in it too. We're all in. For he alone is our God. Okay, let's hear the next part. Listen to the if you will, pastor's response to the people's amen. This is not funny, but funny in a way, right? Then Joshua warned the people, you're not able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy and jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. Well, that's not a really good encouraging word to follow up a amen, right? I mean, it's not. He's like, yeah, you guys are all talk. That's basically what he just said, right? You guys are all talk. You're amen in something, but you're not even able to do what you're saying you're going to do. And he says, I want you to know that God's a jealous God. Remember those idols we were just talking about? God's not okay with that. 
You can't bring your junk into a relationship with God and say, I think I know a way to make this work. That's what he's saying. He is a holy and jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. I'm glad it didn't end there. Listen, if you abandon the Lord and serve other gods, he will turn against you and destroy you even though he has been so good to you. Oh, so there's an if clause. He's like, you aren't able to do this, but if you wholeheartedly get in, you can do it. But that means you got to remove the junk. You need to get that stuff out of your life. See, this is our part of obedience right here. If you abandon the Lord and serve other gods, he will turn against you and destroy you even though he has been so good to you. But the people answered Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. Isn't that awesome? It was a follow-up amen to that. No, we get it. We're all in. We get that it takes our whole heart. We're not going to do that garbage we've been doing. We're not going to play around in that arena any longer. We're all in. Amen. You are a witness to your own decision, Joshua said. You have chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, they replied. We are witnesses to what we have said. All right, then, Joshua said. Destroy the idols among you and turn your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. Ooh, so now he's like, well, you talked the talk. Now let's do something about it. Let's see you go get the garbage that you already know God doesn't want in your life that you keep hanging around with, keeping it in your little house because you think it's okay. You've negotiated with God and he's just blessing you anyway. Uh Uh-uh. He's like, bring that garbage out here. Let's have a fire. Destroy that garbage. Destroy the idols among you and turn your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. The people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God. We will obey him alone. That's awesome. Isn't that awesome? Seriously, I mean, so much better than just as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's like, hey, this is a challenge, everybody. Are y'all in or not? Are you going to do it God's way or your way? Are you going to surrender and trust and obey him? See, they all made the choice to surrender and trust. So it was a great meeting. Everybody's all in agreement. It's awesome like that, isn't it? That's why I love church. It's like we're all here and it's like it's all good. But you got to leave church. And once you leave church, now you leave that environment of all of us being in agreement. Amen, amen, woo, yeah, God, you're awesome. And now I'm going home to my house, my little tent over here where the crap is. That's been a part of my life. Sorry, that was Greek for junk, you know what I mean? So anyway, so I'm back in my house. I, I don't want to offend anybody, but I'm saying, you know, when I look at all that stuff, and God's like, okay, now, now. There's no one else around you to encourage you. It's just God and you. And he's like, that's what I've been talking about right there. What are you going to do? See, now obedience has to happen. So they had an action step, a great meeting Everybody was excited. Everybody was in agreement. They were all in. Now came the moment of truth. Beyond the amen, now is the action. Now is the obedience. Now is the challenge. Now I've got to actually do something about that, where it's taken out and destroyed, and you alone are God. Huh. Okay. So the application. See, that's why at the end of the messages, we always have action steps because, see, if we're not doing something about what God says, we're not doing anything. Because if all we're doing is gathering together, singing, saying amen, woo, 
I love you, we love God, everything, and then go on and doing nothing. All it is is words. It's meaningless. So we can go through the Old Testament and the New Testament, and we find these scriptures over and over and find consistent challenges being presented to the people of God about choices. We have choices to make. And every day you and I have choices to make. We do. We have choices to make whether I'm going to be obedient to God or obedient to self. And the daily decisions of obedience are another reason we have to develop our understanding of what the Holy Spirit is prompting us to. So, um, see, there's obvious choices. When I said yes to Jesus as my Savior, it was an obvious choice. There was, there was an absolute like revelation of either choose life or choose death, Dave. What are you going to do? You're going to say yes to Jesus or yes to you? And so it was that moment of obvious choose life, right? And I thank you, God, for your mercy that called me to choose life. And I did. But see, then there's these moments of subtle. And this is the life of walking with Jesus and the discerning that we have to learn because there's the subtle promptings of the Holy Spirit. And the subtle promptings are like, do this or don't do this, right? So as I walk with God to develop my sense and my ability to understand, remember I told you I was thick-headed, slow learning, not good listener, but I've changed since then. I have. That doesn't mean I'm great at it. I'm just better at hearing and listening and discerning and moving. But so we have to develop the ability to discern what the Holy Spirit is saying, and we develop that and our consistent obedience to the Holy Spirit is what helps to develop that. So it's like the Spirit saying, choose today whom you're going to serve. Is it going to be self or God? What are you going to do? See, I'm not talking about getting saved every day. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is a life of obedience that is absolutely necessary to live for God, have a relationship with God, and get to heaven in the end. So it's like I have to be obedient daily to what the Spirit is saying to me, and that means less of Dave and more of God in my decisions and how I do things. So I'm hearing that prompting, choose life. Yes, Lord, choose life. Okay, Galatians 6, let's read these scriptures. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. All my decisions and choices have consequences. Whatever you choose is going to have some type of production in your life. Death or life. It's your choice. See, when we look back, all of us can see moments where we made the wrong choice. And we already know because we look back and we see what harvest came from that was death. You all know that, right? You've had those moments in your life. If you don't, like, I want to talk to you. Like when you made those wrong decisions and you saw that it just screwed everything up. But when you said yes to Jesus, you can also see that when you did it his way, how much like, oh, man, there's peace, there's life, it's all that. And so the word of God says, look, this is the way it is. It's God's way or your way. It's one or the other. And so God's not going to be mocked. He's not here to negotiate with us. He's like, this is my way, do it. I'm a jealous God, and I will have no negotiations. You're doing it my way. It's a dictatorship, but it's amazing. <laughs> Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Oh, isn't that awesome? 
He's like, man, you know, here's the deal. Life or death, we're at the same point. Did you hear that? It's the same thing that was said back there in Deuteronomy to the people that's being said to the New Testament church. You've got a decision to make. Whose way are you going to follow? Are you going to do things God's way or your way? Here's a clue. Death, life. Hello. (laughs) So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Man, so God's like, when you do it my way, trust me, something good is going to come about eventually. That doesn't mean the moment I step in, it's like everything gets calm, like I was talking about earlier. It's like everything is good and everybody loves me, things are smooth. I've got the best job, the most money in my account, the most beautiful bride. She's amazing. All this stuff is just, woo, God's awesome. Doesn't mean that. He says, if you don't give up, you will be blessed. It might not even be in this life. You will be blessed, though. You're going to do it God's way or your way. So we have to choose to live by the Holy Spirit's guidance rather than our flesh. And it is a daily decision that we make. Choice to be obedient or not, live or not, God's way or my way. It's a decision that I have to make every single day. So as I was talking in the other service, you know, and I was thinking about myself because I can get in my own head just like most people can. And so when we're, let's just go to a moment of surrender, trust, and obey, and God says something to us, and the first thought that comes to our mind is, is that really you, or is that just me? You know, it's like, I think God's saying something to me about this, but I'm not sure, because, and then we start this whole convoluted, chaotic, not sure what to do now, and so then we, when we're scared to do the wrong thing, we get like polarized, we don't move because we're like, I'm not sure it's God. I'm not sure it's self. I'm not sure what's this. God's not the author of confusion, so just shut up for a minute. I mean, literally, I'm saying just shut up. Stop your mind from all the chaos. Stop for a minute. Is it life or is it death? Is it going to draw me nearer to God or is it going to take me away from God? Is it going to be something that God can be blessed in and through? Not is it going to make my life better. No, is it going to glorify God? There's some clues that will help us understand and discern that's God's voice. So for some of us, you know, like sometimes God can ask stuff and I can look in the Bible and tell you different things that it's like, wow, God, that's crazy that you said to do that. Read the book of Ezekiel. God asked that dude to do some crazy stuff, man. It was awesome. I love that book. Like, God's like, go out there and lay on the ground on this side for X amount of days, make a little claymation thing and show a war that's happened. Literally, God told him to do that. And he's like showing the people, like, by claymation, a war that's going to happen, how they're going to lose. And he had to lay on one side, dressed a certain way, eating only this stuff and do this stuff. And everybody's showing up to be like, woo, that is amazing. This dude is so entertaining. They didn't do anything about it. God asks us to do some things. So like I use that little mic stand over there for an example, and I want to do it again. I'm going to say like God may prompt you and say, go move that mic stand. It needs to be over two feet. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense to me. Why would I move that mic stand two feet? That doesn't, that makes no sense. I realize, God, that that's not really a big deal, so let's not even talk about that because that mic stand's irrelevant. And God's like, Move that mic stand two feet. And you're like, are you really talking to me about that mic stand? Is that really you? Is that you, God? 
And I walk over and I'm looking at it and I'm thinking about this. Look, the word of God tells us that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, the truth is known. So if God wants you to move that mic stand and you're like in this negotiation thing trying to figure it out, whatever that thing, you know, whatever this represents in your life, and you're like, is that really God? I want you to know that God's going to say if it's him or not. So if you're only here by the mic stand and like you're waiting and waiting and waiting and wait, I want you to wait. And there's no affirmation of that truth, then get away from the mic stand. It is meaningless because that wasn't God. That was your own stupid head right? So like if there's no affirmation or witness to the truth, then God never said anything about that mic stand. That's the enemy trying to bring confusion in your mind. So if I'm over here and I come over here and there's nothing there, but hey, let's just say for the other side of things, like God's telling me to move the mic stand. It makes no sense to me to move the mic stand. It doesn't matter what I think. God's way beyond my understanding, but let's just say God says something to me about moving that mic stand from there to there. And I'm over here with this, and I'm thinking, like, God, is that you? And all of a sudden, someone runs into you, or you read a devotional or some other thing, and it comes up, and it says, move the mic stand. It's like, whoa, God, that's crazy. Right? Okay, so let's just say that's happening. Now I'm like, wow, maybe there is something to that. And then you come to church and the, the worship team sings a song and it's what you hear coming out of their mouths is, hey, go move the mic stand. <laughs> like, dude, run for the mic stand. Don't wait. Move that sucker. It doesn't matter if it makes sense to anyone else or you. Because see, God's saying do it. So it's our obedience. Do you hear that? It's not about like, oh, everything needs to make perfect sense to me, God, because like I'm an intellectual. I get it. And so as soon as I understand the purpose, that mic stand will be moved. God's like, move it. Surrender. Trust. Obey. See, I can say, okay, God, I, I'm starting to understand. You want that over there? I'm starting to get it. But I really under, I want to know the Greek of the word that says move. I mean, are we dumb or what? You know what I mean? He's like, hey, just do it. See, we complicate something that is simple. When we're starting to labor in our walk with God, that's us, not God, because you know what we said, take my yoke upon you for it is easy and my burdens light. Have childlike faith. He's like, God says do it. Like, okay. I'm going to move that thing. Thank you, Jesus. That's awesome. I'm not going to stand around and try and figure out why. Who cares? God knows what he's doing. We're going to trust him with what he just said. I'm going to be obedient to it, and then I'm just leaving the results to God. I guarantee you someone next Sunday would complain that the mic stand's not where it used to be. 100%. Someone's going to come and say, why'd you move the mic stand? I liked it where it was. Who cares? We're going to be obedient to God. Last verse, and then I'm going to let you out of here. This is the Great Commission. We've heard these verses many times if you've been around the church at all. But let's hear them again for the very first time and something critical inside of them. Then Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Man, that's good news. See, Jesus had already died. He'd resurrected. He had taken the keys of sin and death from Satan. He had won the victory. And he comes to everybody. And he's like, hey, guys, we got it now. Yeah. Now I want you to know something. 
We are doing something now that was not available before, but right now we're about to do something. Jesus is like, look, it's all happening right here and now. Therefore, since I have all this authority, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We all get that, right? Y'all know what that means? Like, get people saved and baptize them. That's awesome. The problem is sometimes that's where we kind of stop the journey. But that keeps going. Listen to what else he says here. He baptized them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to what? All the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always to the end of the age. You see how God hasn't changed? He hasn't changed. He's like, you want to be my follower? Awesome. Surrender and trust me and now obey. Do what I say. So he's telling us something. Like get people to put their trust in Jesus, baptize those people, and then help them live a life of obedience to me by teaching them what the word of God says. Now let's live it. See, being a disciple of Christ is living a Christian life, not just being saved and baptized, but living in obedience to God. Oh, here's the key that most of us in the church have missed. We've been saved and baptized, and we just think, woo, life is awesome right here in this little space, and I'm just going to live in that, and it's about me. Oh, no. It's about him. It's about his ways and obedience to his way, and therefore God is bringing us to these moments of surrender, trust, and obey right here, right now. It's pretty awesome that Jesus, when he said this, ascended to heaven and sent the Holy Spirit because he said, just like Joshua said, you're not able Jesus said, I'm going to send you the enabler, so to speak, the Holy Spirit, and you're going to be able, because of the power of God inside of you, to live the new commandments, the new life that I've called you to live, a power that is not in yourself. He didn't leave us to figure it out. He said, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. He's going to give you discernment, wisdom, understanding, power, gifts, and abilities that you can live this new life. Man, we are so blessed. It's crazy, isn't it? God is so good. So here's your action steps. Have you repented of your sins, received Jesus Christ as your Savior, choosing life rather than death? Have you done that? If you haven't, make today the day that you say yes to Jesus. Man, you can go on living in your own miserable self if you want to, but you already know that life sucks. Why not try the new life? He is so amazing. There's the next one. Are you living a daily life of obedience to the Word of God and the promptings of the Holy Spirit? (laughs) That's what it's all about, man. Will you now go home and put actions to your words that God has spoken to you, going home to remove your idols? Will you do that? So here's this moment. See, this is not just an amen moment, but this is an amen moment. When we ask for altar calls and we say, will you come to the altar? When we say, hey, will you do this and surrender to God? What we're asking you to do is say, Lord, I hear you and I know what you're saying. So we ask you to come to the altar to physically respond to what God has said. Just like the people, we're all in. We get it. As for me and my house, we're going to do it God's way, right? So that's that moment. But in that moment, then, you're going to have to get up and go home. Right? So this is the amen and the obedience. So let's do it. Would you me? The altar's open. The Spirit of God has prompted you. You know what the Spirit of God is saying to you? Let's say amen together. The altar's open. You know. Please respond. You're not responding to me or this church or anything else. You're responding to God, the Holy Spirit, 
who's prompting you, stirring your hearts, and you know what he's saying. You don't have to kneel if you're physically unable. It's totally fine. You can stand before God. You can sit before God. It's not about that. It's just responding in obedience to what the Spirit of God is saying. That's what it's all about. Father God, I thank you for this moment. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, that you've been given all authority and power. And that, God, you have called us to this moment to choose life. We want to respond to you, God, in full obedience to remove the idols from our home, to remove the garbage that we've allowed to come along on this journey, that God is distracting us from you. And God, we ask you to prompt us, everyone, online, in person, wherever we are, prompt us once again for the removal of the idols of our life, that we might live in full obedience to what you've called us, God. We want to be your people fully, wholeheartedly servants of the living God. We ask this in Jesus' name today, Lord. Thank you, God. So here's what I want to ask you to do right now. If you're in agreement with what God says, I'm not asking you to amen my message. I'm asking you to be obedient to what God says. Would you say amen? Yeah. Thank you, God. You've heard us. So be it. It's your word. It's your truth. And now, Lord, as we go, Help us to be obedient. Let's go do it, church. Let's step out those doors and let's put action to our words. Remove those idols. Destroy that junk. Let's be God's people from here on out. Let's do it. God bless you today. You're dismissed. Thank you. If you're praying at the altar, I'm not telling you to leave. You do it. Yeah, man. God bless you. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you.